0: Step with me into the word maze. My name is Pilar Ortiz, and in every episode, I share a few words I've discovered while reading three books. I tell you a little bit about those books, and then finally I share some advice I've come across on writing fiction and sometimes non-fiction. You can find the web companion to this podcast over at wordmaze.cafe. Are you ready? Let's enter the word maze. Hello, and welcome to episode 8 of Word Maze. My name is Pilar Ortiz. I am, I would love to say I'm a writer, but not really. I love writing and I love reading, and that's why. I'm doing this podcast if you want to find out a little bit more about me about my life as a voiceover in London in the traditional voiceover space and a little bit about why I podcast you can check out my book Hi I'm here for our recording The Ordinary Life of a Voiceover Artist you can find it in ebook format and paperback format Now Today, I'm trying something slightly different with, my, with this show, because for this show, I always have a script so that I don't go off on one, because I do tend to do that in front of the microphone. So I've got my main points that I need to hit. I've got the words, I've got the description, the titles of the books, etc., but I don't have a script, so I'm a little bit, ah, <laughs> usually when I do podcasting with other people, I don't need as much of a script. But when I'm on my own, I think I really like it. And of course, as I was saying before, I did train as a voiceover, which is basically reading a script. And it's only through podcasting that I've learned to speak into the microphone without I scrape just some pointers and allowing myself to see sometimes where I go. So, let's see where we go to today. Let's open the Kindle Paperwhite because it's got a vocabulary builder and that's where I put all the words that I come across that I don't quite know the meaning of or that I think actually this would be an interesting one for the word maze now. So, so, I read in a slightly different way now. So, let's see, let's see. Let's start with the first word. stipend and this is a fixed regular sum paid as a salary or as expenses to a clergyman teacher or a public official and how it's found how i found it in the book so we'll i'll discover the book later the us assignment earned him a dollar stipend that in one stroke wiped out his family woes so i think i'd come across the word before but i didn't know it was so specific Uh, as well that there was the dictionary saying that it's specific to those to those professions clergyman teacher or public official next one next one miscreants or in this case (laughs) the definition is for miscreant a person who has done something wrong or unlawful behaving badly or unlawfully. And this comes from the old French. Let me see if I can pronounce this one. Mecréante, maybe? (laughs) It's uh, the present participle of mecréer. Oh, my French is really, really bad. You should see my singing teacher when we, every now and then we do songs in French and I I just have to ask her to stop correcting me. Uh, So um, anyway, this verb means means disbelief. And when you dissect the word, you have mis, uh, uh, which is not to, and clear believe. So I love that. And actually, when we look at that, creer in Spanish, um, so miscre- miscreant, it, I like the, I think it's a really interesting origin to see also how all the languages, when you look at their roots, uh, converge. So that's miscreants. And let me just read you the sentence Vera might be right. I don't want the IT name in mud because of these miscreants. Okay. So, even in this situation, I felt the word miscreant was quite cute and funny. Now, I almost smiled. I don't want the IT name in mud because of these miscreants. Love it. And lastly, Aisinane, which is extremely stupid or foolish. And it comes from late 15th century from the Latin Asininus, from Asinuns, which means us. She made this whole big deal about how I actually never give her anything and how other girls got gifts from their friends. I mean, it was AC9 logic, if you ask me, as there were things she could be giving me and without much capital investment. I just love the fact that uh, that I love the root. Again, it comes from Asinos, which means us. So I've got those uh, three words. Let me recap them. I hope I can remember the pronunciation. Stipend, miscreants, and AC9. And they are from Five Point Someone by Chetan Bagat. That's B-H-A-G-A-T. And I really enjoyed this novel. It is about three friends in a university. And it really shows how very easy it is to become outcasts because of the way that they um, they weren't some of the top people in their class, and they start to feel a little bit again l- like they're being um, looked down upon, and how that's that's a uh, vicious circle, really. But also, it's really it's a very very funny book. And it's also a little bit sad at some point because of what I was just talking about, and. I love the friendship between them. So I still have another book to read by this author. I haven't read it yet, but this is really... I really recommend it. Five point someone. You will see if this is the first time you listen to this show. I don't go into a lot of depth in the books. I recommend A Good Read, which is a BBC podcast for a much more thorough analysis of books uh, there. But I just think... Sometimes we're just looking for stuff to read and we just need to have a title or an author to discover. And then we can go and see if we, we can read the reviews, et cetera, and see whether we like it or not. So that's, that's my aim with this show is just to share what I'm coming across. And then if you want to look a bit further, then hurrah. <laughs> right, let's go for the next book. So the first word is Modlin, And this is self-pittingly or tearfully sentimental. And it comes from the old French, Madeleine, which comes from Magdalena. And how we're using the word today comes from the pictures that show how Mary Magdalene was weeping. So that's that's uh, that's where it comes from. It's very interesting because in Spanish, there is a saying, which is llorar como una Magdalena, which is to cry like um, Magdalene, like Mary Magdalene. And I always thought <laughs> you're going to laugh if you speak Spanish. I always thought that this was crying like a Madalena, and a Madalena is like a fairy cake. It's like a, a cupcake. <laughs> but no, it's, of course, it's Mary Magdalene. So, um, yeah, anyway, I found that quite funny. So, going back, coming back to this, uh, to this podcast, we're looking at the word maudlin, which means self pityingly or tearfully sentimental, and here is the sentence. It was one of those maudlin going-away nights a farewell party for an ancient sales rep who'd been on the road during the Nixon administration. And the word there was maudlin. A little pause here in true podcasting moment. A big, big lorry has uh, parked just outside my window, so you might hear a little bit of background noise. I never know whether to mention these things because maybe you hadn't noticed it. And now that I've mentioned it, maybe you have. And maybe it's not coming through the microphone. But anyway, just just thought I'd bring you into my world for a second. So let's have a look at the second word, tendrils. And again, this is one of these words that I'm, yeah, do I know exactly what it means? And slender thread-like appendage of a climbing plant, often growing in a spiral form which stretches out and twines around any suitable support. And i again I would I would I always thought ten riddles would have been like the whole plant, but um so so I'm glad I looked this one up, and uh, I love the way it's it's been read uh, it's been used here. but he really lives a few blocks south of the region north of little Italy, with the silly name indecidedly unfashionable Little Italy proper, which isn't even truly Little Italy anymore, but a tendril of Chinatown that for a few blocks happens to be littered with mediocre Italian restaurants. So I like that. I really like um, looking at words that are used um, I wouldn't say it's. It's not obviously it's not out of context, but that, that are used in a slightly different way to their very specific meaning. And I also found it in the same uh, book. I found it also used in another sentence. So that obviously the author likes the word tendrils. Uh, very interesting. Very different. So let's let's share it here. Haydn needed to secure a lot of bodies for all the surveillance, both electronic and physical, with techs and a mobile command unit in New York City, and teams of floaters on standby to keep track of other personnel tendrils, such as the publisher or the lawyer in DC, and that poor girl this morning. Again, completely different one. We're talking about the tendrils, almost like the branches of some neighborhoods. And now it's different. It's personnel. It's uh, people. I love it. I love the different different ways in which it's being used here. And now the next word. Swedge. I find that word really difficult to pronounce. Eswetch. <laughs> and it means to make an unpleasant feeling less intense or to satisfy an appetite or desire. And it also comes from the French. And then that one then comes from the Latin with ad, expressing change, plus suavis, sweet. So, assuage. And here is the sentence. Or will it serve only to assuage? Is this the correct word? It is. To assuage your conscience? He has wondered exactly the same thing many times, every day, but he already made the decision irrevocable. And in this book, I also found stipend. So (laughs) that's interesting. In in both books today, uh, this second book I'm talking about is called The Accident by Chris Pavoni, And there are quite a few books by that title, so just bear that in mind. And this is, it's a mystery, and I'm having a bit of difficulty finding, uh, remembering what it was about, and and I've looked through the book description, etc., but I remember it has to do with a manuscript, so something that they're looking for or something that uh, relates to an accident, which is where the title is coming from. So have a look, have a look. And uh, remind me if you've read it, uh, wordmaze.cafe for all your comments, including Pilar. Can you just make sure that you reread the books before recommending them? But I can, it, it, it was a light read. I remember that and I did enjoy it. I did enjoy it. Now for the third book, which is a non-fiction book. Usually I have a, a two fiction that are non-fiction in this, uh, in this show. And it'll be interesting to see whether you can guess whose memoir it is. I don't know how on earth you're going to do that, but you never know. Maybe, maybe by, the, by the words that I, that I use. So the first one is desuetude, And this is a state of disuse. Here we go with the sentence. We were poor in that my mother drove an ancient Austin A35 with flicky uppie indicators, and my father an Austin 1800 from the heyday of British motoring incompetence, after he had driven an old Rover 90 into destitute. <laughs> I like that word as well. I don't think I'll be using it very much. So I find it a bit difficult to pronounce. Let's go for the next one. Incoate. And it means just begun and not so fully formed or developed, rudimentary, elementary. And here's the context. If I am honest, a small part inside of me did somewhere dream of fame and recognition in an as yet inchoate form. Just begun and not so fully formed or developed. And finally, on a romancy. And I hope I've pronounced that one right. I couldn't find it in my pronunciation dictionary. So it's the interpretation of dreams in order to foretell the future. And it comes from the Greek oneros, dreams, and then mansi, which uh, means interpretation. So here's the context. I wake up or the dream peters out or merges into something strange and silly and different. It is easy to attempt a little oneromancy here. So this comes from, there's no, I don't, well, if you did guess, that would be really interesting to hear, but this comes from More Fool Me by Stephen Fry. And I do enjoy very much his, um, well, his fiction books, and I do enjoy also his memoirs, I think. Especially, well, if you're a fan of the actor himself, you will love the books because you can really hear his voice. And they're always, well, they're always really fascinating. And I do like him as an actor and as a, and as a, as a, no, as a public figure. I think he's a, I really like him. That's it. So the words from this last book were Dissertude, Inchoate and Oniromancy. Right, let's now get to the part where we talk about writing. Today's insight into writing, and I'm going to call it insight because it's something that I've discovered while reading. It's not like in other episodes where I found some advice or heard some advice that I thought I would share. Um, It's something that I've observed. So I don't know, maybe we can call it a technique. I don't know. I don't know. But it comes from a novel I just finished reading, and it's uh, So Many Ways to Begin by John McGregor. And I noticed something in one of the chapters, and I thought it was a neat way of communicating the passage of time and also of adding movement to the background of a scene. So I don't know, I found that it made the imagery more three-dimensional and more filmic. The novel is what I suppose would be called a literary novel, where what draws us in is not necessarily the plot or the action, but the characters themselves, how they view the world and the language. There is, uh, though, a thread of suspense. Uh, one of the characters is trying to figure something out uh, that happened uh, about his life, and the novel goes backwards and forwards in time quite a lot. So I was paying attention, particularly during nanorimo when I was writing the draft of my novel, just to see how a novel could unfold while not having a strong plot, because my my book didn't have a strong fl- plot. Plot? <laughs> Maybe it had a strong plot. It didn't have a strong plot. Um, and I was more interested in just discovering the world of the protagonist. So I was particularly looking at drawing a reader into a scene with not much action, and I was looking for different ways of guiding a reader through a scene and painting a strong picture without necessarily going into much detail of surroundings, etc. I'm not a great descriptions person. I don't like reading them, and I don't like writing them. So the scene where I found this Device, let's call it a device, is a scene where the protagonist is talking to his aunt, who is now in a home. It's not a mental institute, but it's it's a yeah, it's it's a home for for people who uh, are having a mental illnesses, and they are sitting in a garden. And the conversation is what's important in the scene, and the characters don't actually do much during it. However. There is movement in the action, and this mainly comes from a gardener who is raking up the leaves and carrying them away in a wheelbarrow. And what I think is really clever is the way that the writer builds suspense even in this action. So, let's get specific. At one point, David, the protagonist, is looking at Julia, his aunt, during their conversation. And, I begin to quote, he noticed that the gardener had forgotten to take his rake leaving it leaning against the branches of one of the trees. Then they continue talking for about a page, and his aunt falls asleep while holding a cigarette. She faltered back into silence, her cigarette burning down to the filter in her hand. He reached out and took it from her, squashing it into the ashtray and sat looking at her in the near darkness. He noticed in the garden the man coming back for his rake. Now, isn't that a great way of ending a chapter? You set up a little action and you resolve it at the end. Meanwhile, you've brought the reader into the garden with you. You've added movement. You've added colour, because I dare anyone to read about a garden, a rake and tree without seeing some sort of colour. And then you've added a satisfying resolution to counteract the emotion that might be bubbling up under the conversation, which does have emotional implications for David. But I'm not going to go into that now because it would stop your enjoyment should you decide to read the book. But isn't that, I just thought it was really interesting way of bringing all sorts of stuff to the mind of the reader, just with one character doing something very simple and a completely, I mean, it's not even a secondary character. It's You wouldn't say it's a character at all. I would say it's a device in this case. So anyway, I, it's something I quite liked and I, and I used it in the scene in the novel I was writing. So... My protagonist had gone to a part of the city to revisit an area of significance to her. And there she found a couple of tourists looking around, basically being lost. And at the end, they just made a decision of where to go. So not a huge deal, but it adds a little bit of, um, oh, I wonder what they're going to do next, or a little bit of, oh, who are they and are they important to the story? And also, they give you, as a reader, a little bit of a breather from the protagonist without taking you away from it. And I think it also adds life to the scene. So. Really, really interesting. I hope it's useful for you. The novel again was So Many Ways to Begin by John MacGregor. And I'll recap the other books as well. So today's words came from Five Point Someone by Chetan Ambaget, The Accident by Chris Pavone or Pavone, and More Fool Me by Stephen Fry. And I'm Pilar Ortiz. But before we go, let's recap the words. Let's see if I remember the pronunciation stipend, miscreant, asinine, maudlin, tendrils, asuach, destitute, inchoate, oniromancy. Can you remember their meaning? Thank you very, very much for listening. You can get in touch via wordmaze.cafe. I'm Pilar Ortiz. Keep reading and keep writing.